How many of you guys have enjoyed our Manger Things series? Yeah, we guys, if you guys remember the first week, we talked about what? How dysfunctional Yeah, how dysfunctional Jesus' family was. If we went back through his family tree, through his heritage, and he had some very, very dysfunctional people in his family. If you guys were here last week, we talked about... Week two, we talked about how, listen, how like, like the shepherds, like the shepherds who, who showed up to Jesus, like, just like how they spread the word about Jesus, we, we also need to do that. They spread the word. They told everyone. And then, and then, but also like Mary, you guys remember this part? What did Mary do? What? She treasured and pondered. Yes. She, and just like how Mary does, uh, how Mary did, we need to treasure and ponder Jesus in our lives. And, and so tonight, I want to encourage you guys to take notes, to write some things down, because who knows what God could speak to your hearts tonight. And, and we're getting closer to this Christmas break. And is anyone in full stress mode yet? Yeah. Um, anyone like staying up super late, studying, like no sleep? You're, you're relying on coffee and a whole lot of Jesus, right? Right. Well... Tonight, here, here's what I'm going to ask you to do tonight. Listen, if you're in full stress mode tonight, listen, shh, shh. I, I just want to ask you to, to kind of take a moment. Everybody take a deep breath. Hold it. Go ahead and put finals in the back of your mind. Forget about it just for a moment. And then breathe out. Okay, yeah. Didn't want anybody passing out. Well, as tonight, listen, listen. Tonight we're wrapping up our Manger Things series, and and uh, who here loves your your favorite one of your favorite things at Christmas time are the Christmas movies, yeah, right. Love the Christmas movies. Like somebody uh, on the count of three, I want you to shout out your favorite Christmas movie. You ready? One, two, three. I heard I heard a lot of Elf. I heard some Christmas Vacation. Die Hard is not a... Uh, whatever. So how many... Listen, listen. Listen. Shh. How many of you guys are familiar with the classic... The classic Christmas movie. It's a stop animation film. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's classic. Yeah, that one right there. You, you, got, you got Rudolph... You guys, anybody remember remember the elf's name? Hermie. But get this, if you listen, if you guys watch it this season, listen, listen. If you guys watch the movie this season, they call him both by Hermie and by Herbie. Listen, I don't know why. They just messed up in the filmmaking. Listen, listen close. So, um, but actually, this is not a movie. This is a beloved Christmas special. It's not just any movie. This is a movie I grew up on. How many of our adult leaders, you grew up watching this movie? Yeah, this movie has gone for years. And, and it was actually originally, listen, listen. This movie was originally aired in 1964. I'm not going to ask who in here is that old. But did you know that Rudolph, before he was even named Rudolph, he was going to be named Rolo. 
How many of you guys would like to sing Rolo the Red Nose Ring, right? No, no, no. But did you know also, did you know also, he, Rudolph was almost named, this isn't even better, Reginald. Reginald, that don't, that don't roll off the tongue as well. Reginald the Rudolph, Red Nose Reindeer, yeah. But did you know this? Also, listen, listen, reel it back in, that the Rudolph, the song, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, is, has, it became the second best-selling Christmas song of all time behind White Christmas. And probably any more behind uh, Mariah Carey's, uh, what's that one? Yeah, I was hoping someone would just sing it out. Yeah. So, but listen, listen, listen. We got to get through this. <laughs> you guys are really talky tonight. Um, but if you remember the movie, shh, think back, remember the movie. We'll think back on the movie. Um, you've got Rudolph, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He was a shy, young reindeer, and his Christmas spirit was dampened because he had a what? A shiny red nose. And you guys remember in the movie when it would light up, what would happen? It would make a sound, and everyone would freak out about it, right? Everyone would lose their minds, and they, and they made fun of, uh, of, of Rudolph in all of Christmas Town, and he was made fun of. Um, but listen... Rudolph was not alone in, in his, uh, he, he was joined by an elf named Hermie. Hermie or Herbie. Yeah. Hermie, if you remember the movie, he was no good at making toys, right? He didn't, because he wanted to be a, a dentist. Oh, you guys, you know, you know, your Christmas movies. So. So here's the deal. Rudolph and Hermie, in their Christmas frustration, they set out on their own. They took off on their own, and they were like, I've had enough of Christmas town. I'm out of here. So they took off on their own. And so you remember, they were started being pursued by the ab- abominable snow monster. That, yeah, 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 that guy. And so what happened? They, they ran away, and they found, listen, they ran away, and they found the island of misfit toys, right? And they ran into Yukon Cornelius, which I, could, I didn't get a picture of Yukon. Um, but they, Yukon, and then he was a prospector. And along the way, they're, they're, and he, he comes to their rescue. And, and so later on, returning back to Christmas Town, they find out that bad weather might cause Christmas to be canceled. Right? It's so sad. And then if you remember, like Santa Claus, he was like an emotional roller coaster. Like he was all over the, I'm just going to have to cancel Christmas. Like you don't make that call, buddy. Jesus does. Right? And so, so what happens is Rudolph comes along and his nose so bright. Won't you guide my... Yes. So, so... So he guides the sleigh. And then in, in, in a nutshell, listen, in a nutshell, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer saves the day, right? But you guys already knew this, right? You guys have all... Who has not seen this movie? Is there anybody who has... Serious. There's the door. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, now listen, listen. I want you to listen. Because I'm not going to speak for very long tonight. Listen, listen. 
So some of you may be wondering tonight, like, how on earth does the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer relate to church and to Jesus and all this spiritual stuff? And that's a good question, and we're going to get there in here in just a moment. But for, I, I, first, I want to mention a couple of other characters that are in this, in this movie. Um, first, you've got Santa. Like, this guy, he's got an eating disorder. Like, if you remember in the movie, look how scrawny he is. He's got a massive head. And, look how, and then if you remember Mrs. Claus, she's like, eat, eat, eat. Nobody likes a skinny Santa, right? Yeah. yeah. And then she's like putting pressure. Most, most people are like, you should probably stop eating, but not Mrs. Claus. She's like, eat, boy. And so she, she's like, uh, and, and then you've got Clarice. Clarice. Oh, yeah. The pretty little, the pretty little reindeer. And then, and then if you remember in the island of Misfit Toys, you've got King Moonracer, which, listen, listen, yeah, a lion with wings. You've got to be kidding me. That's like the coolest thing ever. Um, so on, on the island of Misfit Toys, listen, you got Charlie in the box, right? Like, here's the deal. What makes him a misfit, right? Like, doesn't he know, like... You, you can change your name, right? Like, we, we are in a time and an era where you can get a name change. Or you could just be like, hey, guys, uh, just call me Jack. You know? <laughs> you can do that now. But or, And then also on the island of Misfit, Misfit Toys, they had a jelly-squirting water gun. Right? And and what makes him so, so weird or so misfit? Like, could, couldn't you just empty out the jelly and put water in? Right? He could He could fix that problem. And, and then maybe you, you've got the little doll. You remember the little doll? Dolly. Dolly, she seemed just fine. I don't know why she was on the island. I don't know what was going on. Maybe, maybe Dolly, maybe Dolly had emotional issues. I don't know what the deal was. And, and finally, like we had earlier, you've got the abdominal, abdominal snow monster. Uh, who This guy is just a mess. Like he's all over the place. It's pretty sad life. And so... But just a few questions the show brings up for me. Um, But the big question is, why is this story a big deal? Why is this important? Like, after Santa, Rudolph is like the, the Christmas icon in the secular world. Like, why is Rudolph, why is he so popular? Why is he such a big deal? I think... His universal popularity is kind of the main theme. And, and, and the main theme is that, that, is that there's a place for misfits in the world. There's a place for people who, who just don't feel like that they belong in the world. And the, the theme is kind of like being born of a nobody and turning out to be special. That kind of renowns with our, our human spirit and every human heart. You see it in the most popular stories. You see it with the Ugly Duckling. You see it with Spider-Man. You see it with Harry Potter, like the most unsuspecting, un, you know, the most of nobody. And think about this. Now, this movie's coming out really soon. Well, one of them. But Star Wars. Like, you got, you got Luke Skywalker, who's on like a desert planet somewhere, who's just a nobody, uh, just a useless little guy. But he, he's on, in the backwoods of, what's the name of the planet, Lando? Tatooine. And, and he and finds out later on that he's actually a powerful Jedi. 
And he's destined to bring balance to the universe. Like, we love that kind of stuff. We, who's going to see the next Star Wars coming out here pretty soon? Yeah, yeah, a lot of us are. But listen, listen. This is the theme at the heart of the Rudolph story. And, and, and this particular uh, television special, it really expounds on that theme. And, and it's all about misfits. And it's all about society's outcasts. And, and it's all about deformed animals and vocationally challenged elves and emotionally crippled toys. But the beauty of this story is, of course, that in the end, the misfits save the day, right? Not only is there room for the outcasts, but they become the heroes. See, I, I suggest that the reason that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is, it resonates with so many of us is because at the core... It's really the story of Christmas. See, Christmas has, has become a worldwide recognized celebration. But it's, easier, it's easy to forget that the first Christmas, the very first Christmas, was marked by scandal. Christmas began with a different kind, the juiciest kind of scandal. A sex scandal. We, we can say that here. I can But tonight, we're going to look at the strange birth of Jesus. And and listen, we don't normally get to see this Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. But tonight, we're going to kind of look at it a little bit. We talk a lot about Mary. We talk a lot about Jesus, about the shepherds, about the wise men, about the star. And we, we mentioned Joseph, but we really don't look at the Christmas story through Joseph's eyes. So we're going to take a moment tonight, and, and we're going to kind of look at this Christmas story through Joseph's eyes. So if you brought your Bible tonight, we're going to look at the book of Matthew, verse 1. We're going to start, or chapter 1, start in verse 18. And, and we're going to read the account uh, of, of Jesus' birth from the perspective of Matthew. You can follow along or you can follow along on the screen. It goes like this. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, at this point in the story, or in the Christmas story, no angel has yet come to Joseph, but he knows that she's pregnant. And he knows, like, Joseph hasn't, they haven't done anything. Like, and he was like, that ain't my baby. Like, you know, it's, it, you got to imagine your girlfriend, your fiance, shows up telling you she's pregnant and it's not yours. You got to imagine how Joseph is going to feel about how upset, about how mad he's going to be. But listen, it goes on to say, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to, the, to a son, and, she gave him, and he gave him the name 
Jesus. Y'all want us to focus for a moment on on kind of a single word in this passage. Um, when, when, and it's an important part of the story. See, when Matthew says that Joseph was a righteous man, the, the phrase, the, the technical expression in Hebrew, like it was a single word. And the, it's the word sadiq. Everybody say sadiq. Yeah, you'll see it. It's, that's how it's spelled in Hebrew on the screen. What this means is that Joseph was known for his uncompromising obedience to the book of the law, to the Torah. And, and whatever it said, that's what he did. He didn't, un, he didn't eat unclean foods. He didn't mix with the wrong kind of people. He, he didn't open his carpentry shop on Sunday or on the Sabbath. That he, he didn't, he didn't um, like he was a Sadiq. And, and that's who he was. That's what he was. And everybody in this little village knew about him and knew who he was. And here's the deal. Nobody invited Joseph, Joseph over to have ham sandwiches with tax collectors and prostitutes because he wasn't the kind of person that would have been in that kind of culture. See, he was an Israelite. Back in this time, an Israelite, their goal, what they wanted to be so bad, they wanted to be a Sadiq. That was a person of the law. That was a person that was uh, basically like a priest back in this day. That was like rock stars of today or, or rappers of today. Like, like that's what everyone wanted to be like. Everyone like they were still popular. Everyone wanted to be like this because um, everyone wanted to be a Sadiq because then like you were looked up to, you were admired, you were respected. And in this culture, a Sadiq was really somebody, somebody important. And that's what Joseph was. He was a Sadiq and he was one of the popular reindeer. Like everyone loved him. Everyone thought he was Joseph. You're so great. You do such great carpentry work. You're the best man. But there was a problem. He was engaged. His fiance was pregnant. And he wasn't the father. Now listen, I want you to see this. When, when you're a Sadiq in, in a little village, this is not acceptable. This is not a good thing. Like, and, and the whole, the Torah has some very clear instructions about what to do in this situation. See, when your whole reputation, your whole identity, everything about you is revolved around one thing. That one thing being the book of the law. It says... This is what you do, and and this is it means that this is a real serious situation. This is a really big deal. So the woman, if the woman were pledged to a man, and and she was sexually unfaithful, there's a section in the book of Deuteronomy, um, um, in the Old Testament, in the Torah that covers this kind of violation. It covers this, and I, and I want you to. To, to, rear, to think about what this says. It says this. Deuteronomy twenty two twenty one. It says. She should be brought to the door of her father's house. And there the men of her town should stone her to death. She has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. By being promiscuous while still in her father's house. You must purge this evil from among you. See Joseph knew the book of the law. He knew what was going on. He knew that this was a huge deal, that this was a really big deal. And this in the book was painfully clear that Joseph's whole understanding of righteousness and his reputation and his identity and his, his sadikum 
was on the line. Like everything was on the line. All of his his fellow Sadiq guys would would remind him about this sin and about this girl and and about how she needs to be publicly exposed and punished and killed. See, if Joseph married this girl, his friends would never accept his account of what happened. No, 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 guys, I promise it wasn't me. And it wasn't some other dude either. It was the Holy Spirit. Like, it was God. He did this. Like, really? For real? Like, no one's going to believe that. No one's going to take that serious. And, and they, they never would have accepted his account of what happened. They would think what people always think when a pregnant girl gets married. He would never be invited to the homes of the righteous again. He would, he would never have gotten their business anymore. He would, he would suffer financially. Like he would have been shunned, unshunned, shunned, unshunned. And, and he, he would have been committing social suicide if he would have stayed with Mary. He would never again be, be respired, be respected, and be, and be looked at as a lover of the book of the law. So if he committed himself to this baby and to this, the mom, to Mary, he would have had to take on an enormous sacrifice. His whole reputation, the work of a lifetime, would be trashed. His name would be no good. But that's the commitment that he made. And he became a misfit. You ever wonder why that there's no room for Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem? I know, if you know the story of Christmas, there, there's a census going on and they have to go back to Joseph's hometown and to be counted in the census so everybody can know what's going on. Um, and I know like it, it's crowded at all. It, it's crowded in town. There's no more hotel rooms available. Um, but you got to think, this is Joseph's hometown. Like This is where he's from. For sure, he's got to have some cousins or some aunts or some uncles. He's got to have some people around there. Most likely, he had family. And, and they, most likely, someone had been like, yeah, you can stay at our place. You can stay. You can stay. We got, a, we got an extra room or whatever. You can, you can have a place with your wife here. Or, or maybe his family just didn't want any misfits messing up their reputation either. And you got to imagine that's where he's from. I would think he's got family there. See, perhaps the biggest misfit of, and the product of all of this scandal is this little baby lying in the manger. See, you, you would think this, this tight-knit religious community, do you think that they would let kids like this who are born like this play in their reindeer games? Or just play, hang out? Like, hey... Have you guys ever heard your mom? You'd be like, you need to stay away from that kid. Yeah, I guarantee all of your moms have said that at least once. You need to stay away from that guy. Yeah, you raise your hand. It is you. Um, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Um, but we, we get a glimpse of what this looks like in the New Testament. And in, in Mark chapter 6, it represents an, an interesting scene set back in Jesus' day, back in his hometown, and, and the people of his community, they're expressing skepticism about him. You remember, if you remember this, he goes home. Jesus, Jesus as an adult now, he goes back to his hometown to minister, to preach, to, to do works. And, and you've got to remember that they look at him and they're like, 
they, they don't know what to think about growing up Jesus. And they don't know what to think about his claims or what to think about his miracles or what to think about who he is and what he says he can do. And their comment about this in Mark's, about Jesus in Mark 6, they're like, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? You guys remember that? And they're like, aren't you the son of Mary? See, the, I want, you need to know this too. In this culture, back in this day, you would never refer to a man in that way. You would never refer to a man like this. You would refer, and if you guys have you read your Bible, you've probably seen this enough to know. You always refer to a man as the son of his father. Even though Joseph, he, he, I don't know for sure, but he, could, he might have possibly even be dead at this time when Jesus is, a, is an adult. Um, but Jesus would have, would have, should have been known as Jesus, the son of Joseph. And that's just how it works. That's, that's how it worked in that time. That's how it went. And you were recognized as the son of your father. But he showed up in his own hometown. And you got to know, like even Jesus, he was, at the end of that, he was like, I can't even minister in my hometown. Nobody believes. No one wants me here. And, and, even, and so they, they even called him, you're, you're the son of your mother. And that was a total punch in the face. That was total disrespect. And because they didn't believe what, who Jesus was. See, they, they refer to a man as the son of, of only his mother would be a really harsh expression. See, in, in Mark 6, 3, it, it may reflect the fact that decades later, while in the village and, and Joseph and Mary's reputation is most likely, it still hasn't recovered from the scandal. Years later, when Jesus is an adult and he comes back home, they still treat him like this. Most likely that reputation hasn't recovered. There were still a couple of misfits. See, I was thinking that maybe God decided Jesus, uh, maybe this is why later on God said that Jesus would later be called a friend of sinners. And he should be raised in a family that knew firsthand would have felt like to be regarded as a spiritually, a second-class person, in the second-class category. That's how it was for Jesus growing up. You, really, who's going to believe the story? Uh, God put a baby inside of you, not Joseph or even some other dude. Who's going to believe that? There were, there were whispers. You've got to imagine there were whispers about him as he was growing up. Maybe part of why Jesus had such a heart for unrespectable people was because he was raised in a family who lost its respectability because of his birth. Maybe the reason that he had such compassion for women who were walking scandals when he grew up, is that he knew what it was like to have a mom and to have a father who, who stuck by her when, while she was single and pregnant and all the righteous people, all the Siddiquim, would have, would have wanted to pick up a stone. And maybe, maybe he identified with misfits because he was one. And realizing this today, as, as, as I was finishing up my message, I, just kind of realizing this, I know like we kind of had this whole theme of, of manger things, but really 
as looking through the past couple weeks and tonight, really the overarching theme of this whole series has been all about the misfits. It's been all about us and about how, how who we are. And, and But this misfit would go on to become a hero. Um, the, and not just any hero, the greatest hero ever, the savior of the world. And you know how he did it? Not to make fun, but he did it the same way Rudolph did. What made Rudolph a hero? Rudolph, uh, he saved Christmas. He brought light into darkness. That's almost too easy. <laughs> Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes salvation in 2 Corinthians 4 6. It says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. See, Jesus is the light of God's salvation. Here's how even Jesus himself, here's how he put it in John 8, 12. He says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus, with your light so bright. Won't you guide our life tonight? <laughs> um, but really, God's, God's plan from the very beginning was that his son wouldn't need a room in the inn because the place that he, he had chosen for his light to shine is in your heart and in mine. That's what the, the celebration, guys, that's what the celebration is Christmas is all about. It's all about the light of Jesus coming to a dark, dark world. That's the story of, what, what's the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? He was born a misfit. He was rejected by his peers. That misfit later on grew up to save the day by bringing light into darkness. What's the story of Christmas? A child is born a misfit, rejected by his, fears, but by his peers. But that misfit grows up to save the world by bringing light into darkness. And now all of the misfits, you and I, are invited to step into his light. See, if we're, if we're being honest here tonight, if we, if we could be really honest we're, with ourselves, we're, we're really, we all belong on the island of misfit toys. Some of us are obvious misfits, like we're trains with square wheels or, or, or whatever it is. Like maybe it's not a visual thing that, that people can see. Maybe others of us in this room are like the, the little doll who looks fine, who looks fine on the outside. But maybe there's some things going on on the inside. But we know that we're not who we want to be. And then when God steps in the picture, he gathers all of the misfits in his arms through his son, Jesus. And, and then we, <clears throat> when we choose to embrace him back by submitting and by giving our lives to Christ, we discover that his light outshines any darkness. His light in our lives outshines any darkness. He lights our paths. He guides our lives. He guides us along the way. And we discover that no matter 
how many times that we failed, no matter how many, how many times that we've messed up, that there's always a new beginning possible. See, that nothing in our past is, is beyond the ability of God's grace in your life. Nothing that you've done is, is unforgivable. Nothing that you've done is, is, can be, can, it's not too bad for God to cover with his grace. No matter how far we drift from God, he never, ever, ever gives up on us. <clears throat> his arms are always wide open to welcome us home. And while we may not know what this coming year is going to look like, how we're going to be, how the people are going to be around us, how our lives are going to be, we can know with confidence that whatever fears that we face, that we won't have to face them alone. Because at Christmas, God's made a place for us. Misfits and all. Anyone is welcome to Jesus. Jesus.